Fundamental Life Podcast. Oh, dude, that's the jam right there. I think they should bring the clapper back. They should bring the clapper back, man. Except now it's all As Alexa. seen on TV. Dude, it's all Alexa and Google, and it's like, Alexa, turn on the lights. And I like clapping. Yeah. It makes me happy. When you clap, you're happy. I mean, I think they have a song about that. If you're happy and you know what clapping is. Stop. What? That's a great way to start. What episode are we on today, Stephen? All right. Welcome. Oh. Everybody, welcome. Oh, did you want to start it? <laughs> no, I was just saying we're going to just discount all the good clapping that I, we just did. Hold on, I'm gonna, let me clap the episode on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fundamental Life Podcast. <laughs> I like it, I like it. It's uh, very MC-ish. It is very MC-ish. We are on episode 16. Welcome to the show. We got some fun, exciting Kind of exciting news to talk about today. Yep. Matthew Arnold, my sidekick here. Wait, I, I'm a sidekick? I thought you were my sidekick. I'm your sidekick. <laughs> it's Batman and Robin. I'll be Robin. Okay. We're ready to hit it and, and dive into some good details. I don't even want to talk about movies. I don't want to talk about any little trinkets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, we got to talk about one trinket. Yeah, I know it sounds disappointing, but we. I, I got to hear about your son's haircut on this podcast the militia yeah look like marcus has these awesome camera uh, setups so you can show an actual picture of how super sexy your son's haircut is like now let's be honest i cut a mullet it's been oh i ruined it you ruined it sorry Uh, but 14 years ago i had a similar haircut you did i'm gonna pull this picture up since we're chatting about it so all y'all my oldest boy got married no applause Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> so for Whoa, yeah, there Marcus. we go. Get some, baby. <laughs> woo, woo. So we've got. Uh, I have a picture here. Where do I show this thing? Actually, you know what? Let me let me find the wedding photo. The, so yeah. my 14 year old decided it would be a good idea since he hasn't cut his hair in two years to uh, cut a mullet, which I appreciated. Um, I don't know that the other party, the in laws, appreciated it. But look at that, 1986 militia baby business in the front, party in the rear. What? 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 That is the sickest. I mean, sickest this this haircut. kid is an absolute beast. I don't know. I don't know what other 14 year old would do that, but he looks like a stallion. So, and the best part is he was going to cut it after the wedding, and he's getting so many compliments. He's a freshman in high school. He's got seniors coming up to him, telling him how cool he is. I think he's just going to roll with it. I think he's just going to keep it, send it. If he could grow a mustache, it would even be that much better, but he's not quite there yet. Dude, that is that is seriously the dopest. Like, the saddest thing is, like, dude, I never get on Facebook, and so, like, I'm trying to, like, find my picture of my mullet that I cut, but I can't find it, man. You give, you give me time, I'll find it. So, okay. anyway, we have a mullet in the house. We just went full on 1986, T-Tops, Camaro, you know, IROC, Fire Chicken. He went full uh, He went full 1986. The funny thing is, uh, I was telling him, my, sib- my older sibling, when he was in high school, that was his exact haircut, except for I think he permed it or crimped it, and uh, maybe not, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but uh, the mullet's... Pfft, 
it's it's something that should never have gone out of style. It's a hardcore haircut. It is, man. That's you know you're straight thug if you're rocking a mullet. I keep looking at the picture, just thinking, man, what a stallion. <laughs> so, uh, while you're looking, diving through your photos, we are just we are going to jump into this. Okay, you good with that? I'm great. Okay, so, man, how things change. We've got vaccines rolling out. We've got no homes to buy. We've got social unrest we've got uh, financial unrest let me lay the groundwork so we've we've had some episodes where we've talked about uh the state of the real estate market um we've talked about uh you know the state of uh kind of where financing is things like that but man on monday night i was looking at properties uh in draper which is zip code here in utah and there were 13 homes listed for sale in all of Draper. There were a hundred and I'm going to get this a little bit wrong, right around 140 under contract. And that is even worse than the numbers of homes that were for sale two months ago. And I didn't think it could get any worse. Why do I bring that up? Why is this even a topic? Who cares? Right? Well, I'll tell you who cares. People trying to buy homes. There's absolutely nothing to look at. And the homes that do go on the market, they're taking multiple offers. Several people are putting offers in. They're having to pay beyond what the home's worth. And it's just absolute mayhem. Yeah. It's, uh, that's the thing is it's, it's disconcerting because, you know, uh, people want to buy a home. They're first-time home buyers. They go look at a property. It's $300,000. They're having to offer three twenty-five. It, it gobbles up all of their it reserves, all of their money in order to buy it, and then they're one of sixteen offers, and they don't get it. They don't. They don't get the property because somebody's offering cash. Somebody, yeah. an investor, is coming in and offering an exorbitant amount more. But before we continue, can I? Can I show my yeah, mullet? You've been absent for a couple, three minutes here on the podcast. What do you got? Okay, here's my mullet. Right here. How about that? That that's that's me rocking the mullet, man. I uh I couldn't I couldn't stand the power. So like with Steve's son, he's he's rocking it. He's proud of it. Like me, I couldn't handle it after like you know 24 hours i had so many people coming up to me i was like i cannot handle the power you of the were moment. a sex magnet dude it was it was all for 24 these, hours i couldn't i couldn't keep up you were like thor bro <laughs> i know and i was like you had thor's hammer on your head <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true and that's so, what i'm gonna start calling him he's thor's hammer why right? he has dude, this thing dude there you go meow near <laughs> <laughs> so it, when we talk about no homes list for sale, like it's a, it's a reality and it's a reality that probably isn't going to change anytime in the near future. Mm -mm. What's this fueled by? It's fueled by extremely low interest rates, extremely attractive interest rates. It's fueled by a lack of inventory, maybe even from 2008, nine, 10, just kind of backlogged, right? Cause no homes were built for two or three years. It's fueled by, uh, you know, a lot of young people coming out of college. Um, but then also, you mentioned this, it's fueled by investors. Mm -hmm. It's people coming from out of state. Maybe it is their primary residence or maybe it's just investors from another state coming into a hot market and buying all the inventory. 
people are buying second homes. I've never done so many second home purchases in 20 years as I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this big jambalaya mm-hmm. of just stuff. Well, and even in the same aspect, you look at the the market, like the stock market. There's They talk about there's all this money on the sidelines, all this money not being put into the market because of the volatility and everything like that that's taken place over the course of the last 12 months with the pandemic. Oh, by the way, congratulations on our one-year anniversary of uh, our three-week quarantine. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was today, huh? Yeah. March 11th. Today is when they canceled the NBA 365 days ago. Yep. So Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, there were, I guess there was a 60, uh, 60 on 60 about Rudy Gobert and that whole Oh, was it really? Yeah, it just I'm came have, out. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. Um, but it seems uh, like three days ago. Seriously, man. But forever ago at the same time. Three Thursdays ago. Serious. Anyway, but I digress. So there's there's been all this money sitting on the sidelines. Well, what are you going to do with your money? Are you going to just let it sit in the bank and get 0.01% interest? You know, I have I have clients right now, they have millions of dollars in the bank just sitting there gaining very minimal interest because, you know, interest right now amongst like your standard bank accounts and everything like that is absolutely abysmal. And when you look at the market, it's so volatile that nobody really wants to like dump in all their coins. So it's like, what what can I spend my money on? What can I do? I know I'll buy real estate because real estate's on the uptick and people are always going to need a place to live. So it's like, hey, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to cash flow all of these investment properties. I met with somebody uh, yesterday and we sat down together, very affluent uh, group of people. And they said, how many investment properties can I own? And the answer is 10. You can own 10. Once you get above 10, it gets kind of dicey. Um, you can all, you can have more than 10 financed, but it just gets deeper in the quiver as far as like lending. Have you ever had that question? I have in 2007. Hmm. And so that's where I look at it and I say, okay, all of this money's going into these investments. So now people are trying to buy up 10 properties each. And, you know, and they're savvy. They've yeah. bought homes before. These are not first time home buyers. Mm-mm. These aren't uh, uh, idiots. They're people with cash. They've been through the home buying process before. They know the peaks and valleys, but they know how to navigate that process and do it responsibly. And that poor first time home buyer, he, that, they don't almost don't stand a chance. No. And no. that's, that's with these guys because so basically what they're looking at doing is cash and paying cash for these properties and then how can we get our cash back? And so that's what we talked a lot about and ways that we can structure those loans. But the, the biggest thing is because they are savvy, they're looking at the value of the property not as what it appraises for, but what the rent flow is. Right. So they're looking at it as, okay, this is, the, this is how I value the property according to what my net rents will be off of it. And so it's a different, it's more of a commercial algorithm, mm-hmm. uh, commercial lending than it is uh, residential. And because of that, they're willing to pay above and beyond what it's worth because they look at, they look at it as, as an investment, not necessarily as a property. What's the return on their money? 
Yeah. You know, and the debt service, meaning the loan, if they go back and get a loan and, and get some of their cash back, is low because rates are low, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, it, it feels, it's music. And it, 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 I know it's music, just like music was playing in 2007, to use the analogy, but it, it feels a little different in the, in the effect that back then when there was the, the Great Recession, right? Which I hate, it's the housing crisis. But back in the Great Recession, there was so much speculative buying. And I don't feel the the speculative buying like to your point they're not trying to build a home to to flip it to sell it they're actually like gonna put renters in there they have a long-term business plan that's we're gonna keep this for 10 plus years or indefinitely and collect the rents on it because to your point you're getting nothing in your savings account you're getting nothing in your money market account the stock market is volatile it's up it's down so unless you're buying gold silver and bitcoin All right, Elon. Yeah, Elon (laughs) Musk. So um, on the heels of this, I got a text last night um, as I was leaving the office. I sent it to you. And we have what's called loan level pricing adjustments. And basically, that's a really sexy way of saying if you do certain loans, the rates are higher. And that rings true for uh, investment properties. It rings true for a cash out refinance. There's more risk in it. So the rate's going to be a little bit higher. The return to the bondholder is going to be a little bit better, right? So I get this text last night and it's from a a site that we sign up to get, uh, you know, news flash information, so to speak. And it says uh, alert loan level pricing adjustments um, will be in effect for non-owner occupieds and second homes. And when I first saw it, I was like, man, that is a bunch of BS. But what Fannie and Freddie and the agencies are trying to do is they're trying to discourage those investors. They're trying to discourage a little bit, not a lot, but a a little bit, uh, people from buying second homes because it's starting to bump up to about 7% of financing is, uh, it's just under 7%, but is non-owner-occupied investment properties and second homes. I don't know that we've ever been at that clip. And when you have that first-time home buyer that's out battling against someone who's wealthy that's buying a second property or maybe a third property or investors who they've been through this song and dance before, they don't stand a chance, man. And so people, it's really, really difficult for them to, to get into a home. And then the other thing that we were talking about uh, the last couple of days is uh, President Biden has, uh, he's trying to give a $15,000 tax credit to first time home buyers. And that tax credit can be used as their down payment. There's been tax credits in the past. I think it was six grand and eight grand, something like that. Uh, never 15, never, never, never. And never able to be used as your down payment yeah now neither one of those things i just mentioned has dropped has hit the street yet but they're coming and those loan level pricing adjustments will probably hit uh rates in the next 48 hours if not today yeah fanny i know is making an announcement today at four um and that'll likely i think it was four o'clock today yeah eastern standard yeah so two o'clock here and then um, with the home buyer tax credit, that's been in conversation since late January. And you look at all this and you're like, they're trying to discourage, which is weird. 
discourage uh, sales of homes to certain parties, you know, and, and encourage the buying of homes for others. It's just a, a weird, weird climate. And this is all fresh information. Like, you know, I'd say hot off the press, but it's just, it's coming. Yeah. There is, there's no press anymore. Yeah, then we no don't press. print anything. Yeah. But, hot, hot off the Twitter. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot <laughs> off the tweet. Do, 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 do. Dude, you know what I heard last night? Mm. This is off base, but I'm going to say it anyway. So with Twitter, you can now buy people's tweets. Huh? Yes. And there's a tweet that Elon Musk has. It's actually, all it is is an eggplant. Mm -hmm. He's responding to Peter Schiff's tweet about Bitcoin because he's like down on Bitcoin. Someone's bid it up to 126 grand to buy a certified copy of his one tweet. I know you, you think I'm like no. making, this, making this shit up, but it, it's called an EFT. And it, uh, Anyway, yeah, it's a it's a thing you can buy people's tweets. You can go onto a site and you can bid on them, and people are buying like certain tweets because they feel like they're going to have this historical value. Twenty twenty one. That sounds like I'd just take a screenshot. That's just me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess I I don't have the foresight on that. Yeah, it's That's outside of my pay grade. It's crazy what people spend their money on. Yeah. Well, it's because they haven't spent it on anything else, and the government keeps giving it to them. So it's like, you know, I don't have anything to buy. What can I buy? I know. A tweet. I'm going to buy a tweet. <laughs> because that's going to go up in value. <laughs> I know. I know things. Yeah. So, But, no, I, I think it's interesting that the, uh, that the regulatory industry of, uh, you know, Fannie and Freddie and the government are stepping in and trying to – Lack of a better term, they're trying to level the playing field, and I, and I get the I get the purpose behind that, but it is something that's uh, it's a little disconcerting because um, I think first time home buyers should have an opportunity to own a home. However, it's one thing that we look back historically, like you said the other day. There's a reason why we study history, is because if we don't, then we're destined to repeat it. But even if we do, we still tend to repeat it anyway. And when I'm looking at people being able to get $15,000 towards a down payment for free, that's 5% down on a $300,000 home, which, hey, man, that gets you into a $300,000 home on a conforming loan. Depending on what your credit scores are, it's going to be a great loan for you, and I think that's wonderful. However, on the flip side of that, when people walk into a house and have no skin in the game, have no sacrifice, have no, like, I, I worked my butt off to make this happen, then when things go sideways, they're a lot more prone to be like, man, throw the keys on the roof and drive off into the sunset. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a value in a down payment because when you put your own money that you saved or you sold an asset, when you put your own money into something, you don't want to lose it, mm -hmm. right? And so there, there's a value in a down payment and lenders know that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this tax credit um, is absorbed by the industry. You know, if, if lenders um, are going to be, you know, forced to do it or just kind of how it, it works. But if we've learned anything from not just, not just uh, 2007, 2008, because we talk about that era a lot, it's that when you, when you put money into something, you put skin in the game, you don't want to lose it. Exactly. And on the flip side, when you close on a mortgage, 
oftentimes you don't have a mortgage payment for 45 or 60 days. So you're going to take somebody, I, I, I don't, it's going to be good because it's going to fuel the ability for people to buy homes, but it's going to be really, really bad uh, in what it does. Because if the home starts to go down in value, right, to your point, mail the keys. You just mail the keys back to the lender and walk away. What You didn't have any skin in the game. You didn't lose anything, right? But if it goes up in value, then you get to take advantage of all the appreciation. And it's interesting how the government comes in and does these things and then shit hits the fan and they're like, whoa, how did that happen? Right. You know, and being a student of our industry, it's, you can see how that could be a recipe for, for big, big problems. Yeah. Well, it goes back to, you know, when uh, the Clinton administration was like, everybody should own a home. It's every American's right. They're God given, you know, ability to own a home. And, that's kind of what opened the door for all of the stuff that happened in 2007 and 2008. And it was interesting because we lived through that time, uh, the shift of blame. Like nobody wanted to go back and look at the source. Everybody wanted to look at, oh, it's the broker's problem. Dude, there was like two years. It's predatory lending. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell anybody what I did. Like, my family hated me. They were like, you, you did all this. And I was like, no, nah, it wasn't me. You know, and but you were a used car salesman selling rebuilt titles. And that's, you know, exactly. But speaking of that, it, what you just said about having skin in the game and the monetary value, it makes me think of uh, something that we talked about years and years and years and years ago is when you were look, working up north at uh, your dad's car shop, you told me that when people would come in and look at a car, they would say, "Okay, we want to we 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 want to get this car, but we got to go like do some stuff." And you told me that if you could get them to leave ten dollars just as a deposit to hold that car, they would come back every time because nobody walks away from even ten dollars. And that's the thing when you look at people that uh, buy a home and they have a down payment invested, even if it's one percent or three percent. They don't want to lose that money. But if they have no percent and no skin in the game, then they are like, Meh. I didn't, what did I lose by walking away from this transaction? Yeah. And to, to further exasperate the argument that this could be a problem, that $15,000 tax credit only applies to first time home buyers, right? So you can't be a step up buyer. You can't have been a previous homeowner in the last three years. It's for first-time home buyers, right? And so you take someone who doesn't have experience owning a home, and you all of a sudden plop massive utilities on them. You plop property taxes on them. And when you're renting, if something goes south on the property, you just call your landlord, dude. Mm-hmm. Like if something breaks, this is the landlord's beef, right? And if he doesn't fix it, you just leave, Yeah, right? But when you own a home, that's on you. And so if you've shown that you didn't save a down payment, the government who backs all these mortgages um, is going to, so you have your, essentially the lender, the guaranteeing agency also giving you your down payment and you have no experience owning a home. It really is a, uh, has it, it's not a good recipe. It's no. not a good recipe. But it, it is something that, and again, this is something uh, just to be crystal clear. So my phone doesn't start ringing about this. 
this is not a program that is out yet. No. This is a program that more than likely will come out, but it is not out yet. So sit on the sidelines if you if you want for the next, you know, six months to see if it does drop. If it does drop, then hey, then let's we will do another podcast to let you know it's out. But this is just something that we have recently uh, learned about and something that, you know, will help first-time home buyers, but yeah. not necessarily from 10,000 feet help the, the industry. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of a double-sided, it's kind of like a sword. It is. It's got two sides it to it like and both sword. sides are really, really sharp. <laughs> it's sharp because it helps, but it's sharp because it hurts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So there is a mind-boggling uh, statistic that I heard. Um, oh, it's, I listen to so many podcasts. But it, ironically, in the month of, I guess it would have been February. I want to say January. But in the month of February, consumer debt went down. Yes. Why is that? Well, here's the thing. You think about what showed up in your mailbox Ding, 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 ding. Free money. Free and, money. And so when I get free money, I, I'm going to do one of two things with it. I'm going to either A, go blow that free money, or B, put it against some of my debt. You know, pay down a credit card. Dude, buy an Xbox. I'm just saying I tried. <laughs> just kidding. I didn't get any free money. They didn't give me any free my, money. My, my militia, my mullet boy, he got his Xbox. Did he? I've been playing COD. Nice. For those who don't know what COD is, it's Call of Duty. Boo, 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 boo. I like it. It's I so like fun. I'm not even a gamer, and I love it. Dude, there you go. But I don't have gaming hands. Yeah. You I, do. I sure do. Except I, my finger's been bothering me. I think I've been playing too many games. I don't so know. That, that, that consumer debt going down, you're absolutely right, man. It's uh, we, I don't, I don't want to get in. I don't want to start giving you all my beef about uh, government stimulus because... It's uh, it's a long conversation. I'll probably get really vulgar, and we'll have to definitely like put an explicit, you know, content on this podcast because we got it. We there's a there's an issue with that, and that that so I'm not going to touch on that. But I am. But I you think, just did. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going <laughs> to dwell on it. What I what I do want to just touch on a little bit is um, the price of things going up. Mm -hmm. um, if you filled up your car. Anytime in the last month, six weeks, fuel's going up mm -hmm. for the first time in a fat minute. I saw uh, crude oil is like on the uptick, you know, 2%, 6%, 2%. It's just like on this uptick. And we've, we're, we've already talked about the price of homes. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about the price of homes is it correlates with the cost to build a home. Mm -hmm. And uh, lumber has doubled in 13 months. Literally, it is 100%. It's doubled. So yep. if you were going to pay $20 for a 2 by 4 it's now 40 Yep. I can do math. Hey, look at you. You're like a mega savant. Math Olympics. Which is, you know, these the cost of some of these goods and energy. Um, my taxes on my property are going up. All these things that you have to pay for every month they're going up. Yeah. Well, and that's that's something. Uh, I mean, you look at it, the price of crude oil right now is more than it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. 
And like everybody wants to attribute that to, um, you know, that the economy's coming back. But in, in reality, it has a lot to do with uh, we have less uh, active oil wells, um, supply and demand, um, you know, and so crude oil is up. And so gas is going to start continually going north. And when you think about it, you say, oh, well, supply and demand, more people are driving. Not the case, not, not comparative to a year ago. I mean, last January, comparative to now, I mean, most people are lucky if they pull out of their garage. On Saturday, like I, somebody asked me what I did on Saturday, and I was like, I really had to think about it. I did not leave my house. I didn't get in my car. Oh, that's a lie. I went and drove and got a breakfast burrito. So, like, you know, literally you're not – you're not having the travel time that you used to. Well, and th- there's a, some degree of a shortage because they, they, they halted production or slowed production. And um, another reason is you have these massive tankers with uh, containers coming from Asia. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you this, but it's worth mentioning. There's our, our import-export from the United States is slowly getting worse and worse and worse because – in America, we don't create anything. Dead. Yeah. We just, we don't, we don't really make anything. It all comes from Asia and it's coming to the tune of four containers to one that goes out. And that is uh, a concerning statistic. And that's the reason why we talk about all these things is because people ask us about rates. Why are rates going up? Well, it's all of these mitigating factors. It's not just feds are raising rates or Powell spoke or this happened or that happened. It's, it's an overall stew. It's not just one thing. If, uh, if my wife makes stew and doesn't put beef in it, then it's not really beef stew, is it? <laughs> and if she doesn't put potatoes in it, it's not really beef stew. Celery stew. I'm just saying. And so that's, uh, that's all of these things that we're looking at. And when people call me and are freaking out because, you know, FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out on these low interest rates. It's like there's a couple of things that you got to like look at overall in general in the health of the economy. And that's what's driving up, you know, the the yield and the, you know, mortgage-backed securities uh, being worth less. And uh, I, that's what's driving up these rates. Now, rates going up. I mean, it is so hard for me to be on the phone and hear somebody complain about three and an eighth. Yep. It's just, it's like, my man, like, I don't want to be like my old cadre father who says, when I bought my first home, it was 18%. Well, yeah, no kidding. But your house wouldn't even have bought my car right now, Dad. But that's that's the whole thing is rates at three and an eighth are spectacular. That's a great rate. And the difference between two and seven eighths and three and an eighth on uh, most most loan amounts is like forty bucks a month. Yeah. So it ends up being a pride thing, like that fear of of missing out. But it kind of kind of leads into just um, just do what my brother in law does and lie at the barbecue, man. Just like you know, when when you're at the barbecue and people ask what what rate you're at, you you brag them up and say you're at one nine nine. Yeah, that's a crime to lie at a barbecue, though. You only barbecue with people you love. I know, but you still lie about it. You shouldn't, though. (laughs) That guy's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings you to um, the 
eerie, scary topic of inflation, mm-hmm. you know, and basically things costing more money. And it's, if you go back and, and again, are a student of history and you look at the late seventies, early eighties and the inflation that took place then with the rise in interest rates, prime rate was at what, 12 or 14% for a fat minute. Mm-hmm. Um, the government had to do that to uh, ward off and stem off, you know, inflation. And when you talk about the national debt, I mean, where's this money coming from that people are getting in their mailboxes to buy Xboxes? It's not, it's not backed by gold. Oh, I can tell you, it's hot off the press. It's hot. That's the thing. It's not even hot off the press. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading last night um, about coins, like nickels in in particular, right? And did you know that it costs the? I think there's four or five mints in uh, the United States, it costs like 8.7 cents to make a nickel. Well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> doesn't, it well, I doesn't guess it make does make sense. sense. It makes ah, five cents. You ah. joke. <laughs> but um, you go back to uh, uh, pre, I think it was like pre-1963, there actually was silver in uh, dimes. And it, it's just, it, it's crazy how the currency thing has changed since 1913 you know, when the Fed was created and they started really manipulating in the 1933, we go off the gold standard and it's, I mean, you literally, there's, there's a guy, his name is, I want to say Michael Saylor, but that's not, he's the Bitcoin guy. Um, there's a guy, there's a, he's a billionaire. He's a hedge fund manager in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, what he did is in 2012, he ordered a million dollars in nickels from the mint because his belief is that just just like the the dimes, you know, in like 1943 or whatever, um, the meltdown value of those dimes was like ten times the face value because they were silver. You know, and silver's selling for what thirty bucks an ounce now. So he believes that um, the uh, the mints and the government are going to quit making nickels, and when they do, the meltdown value of zinc and copper in those is going to be worth, you know, 10 X or seven X what the face value is. And he's, I can't say he's right. I can't say he's wrong. I don't know what the future is going to bring, but, uh, yeah. Billionaire went and bought a million dollars in nickels and they said, what do you want these for? And he, he, he said, I just like nickels, <laughs> whatever you sell. I just opened a nickel cade, <laughs> <laughs> but I think 200 nickel or I'm sorry, 200, dollars in nickels weighs i might get this wrong weighs 40 pounds and so like dude that's so much weight <laughs> how would you even, even like where would you store that shoe boxes i don't know under your bed i'd probably bury them yeah make me a make me a map like goonies yeah <laughs> but they're not i mean they ain't they ain't printing money you know they're just like the the treasury's backing up whatever they decide to ship out i guess yeah they're just, they're making credit cards. Yeah. Them. They are. They're the EBT cards. Yep. Got your EBT? Yep. Oh, yeah. You know it. Um, but inflation is interesting because um, when you just put more and more and more money out there, you know, and everybody has more money, of course things are going to cost more. You know what I mean? It's just, it's inevitable. 
and uh and that's that's what's going on right now like that's why i think uh, people want to blame it on covid and i know that that contributes to some of these things but you can kind of smoke screen inflation with uh with an excuse oh yeah well and that's the thing like i was talking to my dad the other day and he mentioned that uh he was surprised there wasn't more inflation and I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, the inflation, it's only up like 0.1%. You he's know? sipping the Kool-Aid. And I was like, Pop, wh- why don't you look around? Home prices have gone up 21% in the last 12 months. Look at the price of lumber. Look at the price of gas. That's all inflation. They just don't count it in their digits. Those are things that have been omitted. Yeah. See, the CPI data that's reported by the labor um, the Department of Labor or whatever is—it's—it's it's just total BS, man. Like when you're running the game and the game's rigged and you can change the rules, you're always going to win. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm playing blackjack and you know the goal is to be as close to 21 and beat the dealer, but I have 19 and then I say, Dad, no, but you're supposed to only get to 19. Yeah, then I'm going to win or 13 or 28. <laughs> or or if I hit 22 and I say, Hey, whoa. I'm closer to 21 than you are. Exactly. Dog. Exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of a rigged, rigged game. And um, it's, I, 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 I like to read about it. I'm kind of a geek when it comes to, to inflation and monetary policy and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Well, at least, you know, for what it's worth, you like to read about that. I like to read about comic books and, you know, video games and stuff. So I'm a geek on the other side of it. You know, I'm a geek that's maybe my, my knowledge is less useful. It's, it's a lot less useful. So I, on Monday, do you remember what happened to me on Monday this week? Oh, Monday, 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 Monday. No, give me a hint. So I had three appraisals come in. Oh, that's right. I had three appraisals come in that I'd ordered prior to on purchases. Every single one came in low. I had one came in like, I want to say two or six grand low below the purchase price. Right. One came in 10 and one came in $35,000 low. And it's like, you know, what do you do? These people have the homes under contract, like you mentioned to start this. And um, basically what agents are doing now, because all these real estate agents, like everybody's neighbor, cousin, brother-in-law, little brother is an agent. Um, they're going out there and they're working their tail off and trying to put in competitive offers and none are getting accepted. <laughs> so they're like, screw it. We'll just offer as much as possible. And then when the appraisal comes in, then they just reduce the purchase price. I have one of them, uh, the one that came in 35 grand low. The seller was like, nope, flipped him the bird. He said, I'll still sell it to you, but I'm going to sell it to you for 10 grand over what uh, it appraised for. And he said, okay. And they did an addendum, and so he's paying more for a home than it appraised for, which I guess you have to do. I don't know. I'm just, I just work here, bro. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that, and that's where it's, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's disconcerting. It's, it's disappointing because it's, uh, on the flip side of that, uh, I see these, I see people sell their homes, and they're like, nope. Not gonna. I'm not gonna accept any more than what I think I want. But then, when they go to buy a home, they cry a river because they're like, "Well, you won't reduce the purchase price." And I'm like, "Did you reduce yours?" Ah ah ah. Yep. There's this thing called the cosmic boomerang or karma or whatever you want to call it. But it's like, dude, if that's the market, that's the market. So you can't have it both sides. Yeah. 
You can't have your cake and eat it too. Eh, eat it's not that hot anyway. I know. <laughs> um, what else did I write down here? I think I touched on uh, on most of it. Um, with rates, in reference to rates, because that seems to be the conversation I have to have 28 times a day. It is what it is, man. And when you're getting a rate, give or take, plus or minus 3%, like Matt said, it's it's a minimal, minimal um, difference in your payment. And in the big scheme of things, um, the only reason rates are low is because the government's buying bonds, right? Nobody's going to invest their money for a rate of return of 1.3% when inflation's 8 Yeah. You know, if the government's not buying bonds. Um, so it's kind of all propped up by uh, the government pumping money in there. But if you need a house, don't don't you know, sit on the fence and wait for that rate to go down an eighth because that house is likely going to be more money. I don't, I actually don't see home prices slowing down. I think they're going to, this is, I don't believe this is a housing uh, bubble. It could be a a housing level off maybe, but uh, I see them continuing to, to go up. Maybe not at the clip we've seen, but there's a shortage of homes and yeah, I mean, there's nowhere for people to live. Well, and shortage of homes, but the biggest thing is the cost to build them. I yeah. mean, when you're talking, that's that's where I look at uh, some of these some of these homes that are going under contract with builders right now. How much is it going to cost to build it when you get to that point? And because like these builders, they got Dr. Horton right now in in Salt Lake. Uh, they got an 80 person waiting list to hopefully buy one of their new construction. Well, if they're on that list and they get it under contract and then they start to build it and it's done, let's say, in November, well, dude, what's the president lumber in six months? We know that it's doubled in the last year. By the time you get to a housing pack in, you know, August, when you start framing up this house, is it going to be 80 grand as opposed to 40? There's a lot of risk with uh, being... I mean, we call them entrepreneurs, which you defined previously as being a gambler, right? Mm-hmm. They have no idea where things are going to be at. So it's got to keep some of these uh, builders up at night because how do you forecast that? I mean, if you sold a home eight months ago and dug the hole six months ago and now you're trying to find appliances, I mean, hell, you can't even find appliances. Mm-hmm. Like I know people that have been waiting for 60 days just to find out if they're even going to get them. Like, are they going to show up on the boat, one of those containers from Asia or not? Dude, I, I bought I bought my son a bed for Christmas. It was supposed to be in the end of January. Then it was the end of February. Then it was the end of March. Now they're telling me it might be here by the 1st of May. And That's it's like, it, so then I said, well, can I come down? Is and it going to cost more when it gets here? Yeah, right. And I was like, well... Well, can I come down and, and just, you know, maybe buy something else, see what you have in stock? And they're like, yeah, you can come down, but you'll have to go through and pick a bed and then we can check if we have it in stock. And like, so it's not like I, they have a list of what they have. It's like they have to check to see if it's in stock. And I was like, that's not terrible. I'd rather spend three hours looking for a bed or wait another couple months to see if this one shows up. I know everybody can commiserate with this because everyone's online shopping for stuff. Or even if they're not buying, they're shopping. I've never seen the out-of-stock symbol on products like I have the last, say, six months. Like, literally, like, 
I tried to buy a, a rack accessory for this old beater rover that I'm driving. It's been out of stock for like 90 days. It's just like a simple part. Like everything's out of stock. Uh, it's crazy. I'm going to have to whittle my son a bed. <laughs> with, a pot, with a pocket knife. Yeah, he's like, ego boy. I'm going old school, but I can't afford the wood to do it. It's got to be um, just, man, nerve-wracking for builders to to forecast. Because you put a homeowner contract, and, dude, there's stuff that's going into that property that you're not going to even see or install for six, seven, eight months. Dude, think about flat work. Yeah. Oh, man. Those guys, that, you know, like... Yeah, they're like they're looking at uh, you know like a year ago concrete flat work you know ten grand now it's twenty yeah it's like you know builders margin of profit and that's why I believe like when you talk about all these factors that's why I think housing is is probably going to stay um, level two increasing because of the price of those goods because of inflation mm-hmm. it all it, everything has roots. Like when you talk about uh, Clinton saying everyone should own a home. Well, you know, the repercussions of that attitude didn't happen for eight years. And so, you, you know, I, you know what else I read? That uh, President Biden has not given a public address since he became president. Hmm. And the longest any president ever went was George W. And it was 33 days. And I don't know how long. Uh, 52. Joe been in 52 now. Um, but it was, I can't remember what, what I was reading this morning. It was on like MSNBC or I don't read MSNBC. I don't know what it was on Google alert or something like that. And I was like, that is really like, dude, he's our president. You got to talk to us, man. Tell us what's up. Yeah. Throw me a bone. Yeah. There's all this crazy stuff. Like, tell us what's up. It's just a big contrast from the previous president who like every time he turned on the TV or looked at social media, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) couldn't get enough, man. Couldn't get enough. Couldn't get enough. Um, one thing I was going to say, like you said, um, with the repercussions that take place, uh, I heard a great analogy off of the podcast you sent me. And that is, uh, the man in the shower. Oh yeah. And like, that's the thing is you get in the shower and you turn it on and, Unless you're doing the Wim Hof method, it's uh, it's warm water. And you get in there and you're feeling good and you're like, man, I need this to be a little bit warmer. So you turn up the turn up the dial and turn up the heat and nothing happens. So you turn it up more and nothing happens. And you turn it up more. And then all of a sudden you're scalding yourself because there's a delay. And that's kind of what we're looking at is there's there's a delay. And will that delay... Uh, come yeah yeah ultimately we'll we'll see the repercussions that take place on some of the things that have taken place over the last not just year but six years and when they happen hopefully uh you know um things things don't go the way that they did in the past maybe they uh are a little more leveled out maybe i don't know i'm not i'm not an economic forecaster I'm just telling you the facts that, I, uh, that I'm looking at right now that are a little bit disconcerting. And the people, when that happens, you know, when the scalding hot water comes out and burns your scalp and your back, right? The people that get burnt in inflation are people on fixed income. Why? Well, if you're, if you're getting disability or you're getting a pension check or SSI 
or any of those things, your income's fixed each month, right? And typically with inflation, what will happen is wages will go up. They'll lag a little bit, but they will go up. I mean, they're already fighting. It was 15, now $13 minimum wage. Um, but those people on fixed income, they're, they're, you know, things just cost more and they have no more money. And that hurts. And what sucks about that, those are generally like the, the less wealthy, maybe less fortunate people. Uh, they don't have the ability to go out and, and do something creative to make more money. Uh, maybe their lives are winding down or they're sick or, you know, they have an ailment or something. And those are the people that hurts the most. And that's what really sucks when, when inflation hits. I mean, if the prices of homes go up and a realtor makes 3%, well, his income is going to go up in concordance with, you know, the price of homes. Uh, builders make 10, 12, 15%. Their profit's going to go up as long as they can forecast it properly. Um, but those fixed income earners, they, they take the shaft and um, that sucks. Yeah. Especially when they look at the cost of product index and they're like, oh yeah, it's a 0.4%. You're okay. You, you're not getting a raise. Yeah. And it's not like you can work overtime in Social Security. Nope. No, you cannot. Well, that's that's uh, when 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 you go down the wormhole and, you know, the, the theory about the government manipulating CPI data and things like that, there may be some motivation because they don't have to pay out more in SSI benefits if they can keep that number low. Um, military benefits, uh, veterans, things like that, if they can keep that CPI data low, then they have to shell out less cash, right. um, which doesn't seem like a problem to shell out cash because people are going to get them $1,400 checks pretty soon. What? Yeah. So, well, basically, I think uh, probably ought to start winding it down, but we've been kind of, uh, I feel like I've been kind of a Debbie Downer right now. And so... Um, we should probably end on some on some high note. Some I don't sort think of we've like been positive. a Debbie. Do we've been honest? I know we're but realists. I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I'm just like this. This is what is real, man. I know, but sometimes when I tell the truth, people look at me and they're like, "Damn, bro! Like dial it back." And you got any like white cushy gloves you can put on, or you got to come in here and I just got, tell me I'm ugly. And I got fat. truth gloves for you. <laughs> yeah, here's the truth. You can't handle the truth, Johnny. <laughs> That's right, man. I, my my truth gloves are like big boxing gloves, and they just like. <laughs> punch you right in the nose man so yeah we've been honest today and i think that's uh it's a good thing to look at but have we been lying the other 15 episodes no i just think that we've been a little what bit are you softer I, be, I feel like we've been softer it's like you know when i talk to my kids and they ask me the truth you know it's like you you tell them the truth but in a soft way today i feel like i just came in and was like you know but that's okay it's that's fine. okay it's fine it's the truth so but, um, but I, wa I want to leave on like some sort of positive, optimistic, we can like, leave on, good. We can leave on a positive note. Did okay. you know that um, the NBA, many arenas, are going to allow 100% occupancy? At least that's what's expected. No, I did so not know that. That's good news. You know why? That means that movie theaters are probably going to open back up. And if movie theaters open back up, that means we'll get some movies. Oh, dude. I don't know if you saw the preview to the new Mortal Kombat. No. Oh, bro, you got to watch that. That is like, it's literally, I've been waiting freaking 34 years for this movie to come out. They've they've made Mortal Kombat in the past, but they're like, Bleh. 
you know, and they had that really, they had, they had their original one and they had like this rave music to it. It's all Mortal Kombat, you know, and like it was awesome. But this one looks epic, man. It looks just awesome. Who's in it? Nobody. That's the greatest thing. It's just like a bunch of kung fu stars, and like they, yeah, like they showed some like uh, some of the fight scenes and like Sub Zero, like freaking punches Scorpion and like blood comes out and he freezes it in the air and turns it into a knife and then stabs Scorpion with it and I was like that sounds oh. horrible dude I, I I I showed my kids it can't be preview. a good show oh dude it's gonna be awesome I showed my kids the preview of it and I recorded their reaction like I had my camera going and I recorded their reaction and made them watch it and dude it's epic both of them are just like I'll take your word for it but that that sounds you just start, you're like a dude who hasn't eaten for like four days and then you come across like a chocolate covered dog turd and you're like, oh, that looks scrumptious. <laughs> That's you waiting for a movie. It, well, yeah, well, let's be honest. There, it's because there hasn't been any. I went to go, I like, I pulled it up. My wife was like, hey, do you want to go out? I was like, sure. She's like, you want to go try to see a movie? I was like, sure. So I pull it up. I'm like, Tom and Jerry. I was like, what in the hell? I was like, my life sucks. Hey, didn't the new Coming to America just come out? Yeah, but I don't think they released it in theater. Huh, I think to, it's just on I'm HBO. Have to pull Plus. it up and watch it. Know. Well, the good news, and to end on a high note, is hopefully you can see people's faces. There's facial expressions. You can give them hugs. You can go back to like actually rubbing shoulders with your homies because that is what it's all about. And when you don't get to do that, Steve becomes a pretty dull dude. Yep. So here's, this is how I think we should end the podcast because this is the, we started with a clap. Let's end with a crisp high five. High, but, well, they're not going to be able to hear that. Oh. Wait. Oh, yeah. We got to do, do a double clap. Oh. It. There we go. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Signing off is Stephen Saxton and Matthew Arnold. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Fundamental Life Podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>